The Arkansas Court of Appeals decided two torts cases this week. The first is Frank v. Clinton William Holland Revocable Trust, 2021, ARC App 310. The Arkansas Court of Appeals held a trust that leased property for an entertainment event owed no duty to an invitee of the attendant who was shot while attending by unknown assailants. Judge Gladwin wrote, Caleb Frank appeals the Polk County Circuit Court's March 16, 2020 order granting summary judgment to Appalese, Clinton William Holland Revocable Trust UAD, August 9, 2010, hereafter called the trust, and Clinton William Hollum individually as trustee of the trust. The circuit court dismissed Frank's negligence claims, and Frank argues on appeal that the court erred in finding that Appalese owed him no duty of care as a matter of law. We affirm, end quote. Frank, the plaintiff, was paralyzed and sued the trust in negligence in arguing that foreseeability of harm was present when the trust knew a large number of people would attend, that they would include underage participants, and alcohol would be served, so violence was foreseeable at the party. The trial court granted summary judgment and reasoned the trust did not owe a duty of care to provide security or warn. Quote from the court, In their brief, Appleys argued that they did not owe Frank a duty under the doctrine of caveat lessee and that they had not expressly accepted responsibility for third-party criminal activity. They argued that they did not assume a duty to provide security and that the prior similar incidents test is not applicable because Frank was not Holland's invitee. Alternatively, they argued that even if Frank was an invitee, Holland did not owe him a duty to protect against an unforeseeable criminal attack. End quote. Duty. The opinion reason that existence of the question of a duty owed to the plaintiff is one for the court, not for the finder of fact. The appellate court rejected several arguments seeking to impose that duty on the trust. Whether there was a criminal act by a third party. First, plaintiff addressed the question of whether this shooting was a criminal act by a third party or an accident. Quote, Frank claims Holland conceded that the shooter's identity is still unknown. He points to Holland's inability to identify who pulled the trigger, who was the intended target, or why the shooting occurred. He urges that the shooting may have been an accidental discharge or a stray bullet. He argues that it was erroneous for the circuit court to find that there could be no reasonable conclusion by a jury that repeatedly firing a gun in a crowd could be anything other than criminal. Even if this court were persuaded that shooting into a crowd is not a criminal act, Frank fails to cite any authority imposing a duty on a landowner to protect guests of his lessee from non-criminal shootings. Landlord-Tenant versus Negligence Liability Plaintiff argued negligence applied, not landlord-tenant liability. Quote, we hold that the circuit court correctly rejected Frank's argument that Appleese owed him a duty of ordinary care as an invitee. Appleese leased the property to Jackson, and Jackson hosted the party at which Frank was injured. Appleese were not in possession of the land on the night in question and did not owe or assume any duty for the safety of those who attended Jackson's party. 
Accordingly, we hold that the circuit court did not utilize the wrong legal standard to determine that Appleese owed no duty to Frank. Foreseeability of the shooting The Court of Appeals rejected arguments the shooting was foreseeable. Quote from the court, Frank argues that Appleese could have foreseen that the agreement to rent a warehouse to someone in his mid-twenties who paid $1,000 up front in cash to hold a party where loud music would be played, alcohol would be consumed, and hundreds of college-age persons, including minors, would attend could create a risk of harm to persons attending the party. Appleese argue, and we agree, that even if a duty of ordinary care applied in this case, no party owes a duty to guard against unforeseeable criminal conduct of an unknown third party. End of quote. End of decision. The second torts case decided by the Court of Appeals this week is Caulfield v. Progressive Elder Care Services Celine Inc., 2021, ARC App 314. The Arkansas Court of Appeals reversed a directed verdict and remanded in a personal representative's lawsuit for the death of the decedent under the Arkansas Protection of Long-Term Care Facility Residence Act in effect at the time. Defendant unsuccessfully argued a 2013 legislative enactment applied retroactively, which abolished a separate claim from that under the Medical Malpractice Act. Judge Vaught wrote, Mr. Caulfield tried these claims to a jury in May of 2018. He presented expert testimony from a nurse and a physician that breaches of the professional standard of care caused Ms. Caulfield to suffer medical injuries and death. Mr. Caulfield also testified and presented the testimony of other lay witnesses describing the terrible conditions in the nursing home and illustrated how Ms. Caulfield and other residents were routinely ignored, mocked, left to sit in their own filth and waste, and suffered insults to their basic humanity and dignity. At the close of the plaintiff's case, Hartland requested a directed verdict on the resident's rights claim, arguing that the legislature eliminated the independent cause of action via a subsequent amendment to the Resident's Rights Act and that the claim was duplicative of the negligence medical malpractice claim. The motion was denied, but was renewed after the close of Hartland's case, and after several rounds of arguments on the motion, the circuit court directed a verdict on the resident's rights claim because it said the jury would not be able to distinguish between damages attributable to medical malpractice and damages attributable to violations of the Resident's Rights Act. The remaining medical malpractice claim was submitted to the jury, which found that Hartland had breached the standard of care. The jury awarded $30,812.15 for Ms. Caulfield's pain and suffering. Mr. Caulfield now appeals the circuit court's decision to direct a verdict in favor of Hartland on the resident's rights claim. The opinion explained that at the time of the injuries, the Residence Rights Act was in effect, and it was only later that the cause of action was abolished and subsumed into the Medical Malpractice Act by the legislative branch. The Court of Appeals noted there was nothing to indicate in the 2013 enactment that it was to be applied retroactively. Quote from the Court, The Residence Rights Act codified certain rights for Arkansans living in nursing homes. Relevant to this appeal, the Residence Rights Act guarantees individuals living in nursing homes 
one, the right to be free from mental and physical abuse, and two, the right to be treated courteously, fairly, and with the fullest measure of dignity. Art Code Ann 2010-1204-A14 and 21. At the time Caulfield's claims accrued in 2012 and when the lawsuit was filed in 2013, the Residence Right Act allowed for any resident injured by deprivation of the rights listed above to bring a cause of action against any licensee responsible for the deprivation or infringement, ARC Code and Section 2010-1209A. In 2013, the Residence Rights Act was amended by Act 1196 to completely eliminate this claim. In its current form, nursing home residents may no longer recover for violation of the Residence Rights Act. Instead, they have only one cause of action under Section 16.114.201 at SEC, the Medical Malpractice Act. Art Code and Section 2010-1209-A1. The current version makes it clear that a deprivation or infringement of a resident's rights now does not itself create an additional cause of action. ID Section 2010-1201-D1. Rather than a standalone claim with damages that do not depend on a showing of medical negligence, Violation of the Residence Rights Act are now only considered evidence of negligence as part of a medical malpractice claim. Id Section 2010-1209-D2 At trial, the Circuit Court granted a directed verdict on Caulfield's residence rights claim because it ruled that allowing the plaintiffs to proceed on both the negligence claim and the residence rights claim would likely confuse the jury and lead to an impermissible double recovery. End quote. The opinion quoted from Smith v. Heather Manor Care Center, Inc., 2012 ARC App 584, that referred to a resident's rights claim as a statutory claim that is separate and distinct from any negligence claim. The Court of Appeals rejected arguments that the 2013 changes were to be retroactively applied. Quote from the Court. Because we hold that the 2013 Amendment to the Residence Rights Act cannot be applied retroactively, Hartland cannot rely on the amendment as its basis for arguing that loss of dignity damages are unavailable in a residence rights case. As Cock v. Northport Health Services of Arkansas, LLC, 361 ARC 192, and Smith have already made clear, a residence rights claim and a negligence claim are separate and distinct causes of action that compensate the plaintiff for different injuries and allowing both claims to proceed would not have resulted in a double recovery. End of quote. End of decision.